My name is Cheryl Niehaus, and I am a program officer at the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation and your host for this podcast on personalized learning. We are focusing on the work that is being done to implement personalized learning in New England today. Rather than a single district or city, the New England Secondary School Consortium is made up of public and private partners from multiple states in the New England area. The consortium works on three different levels, around policy environments, around engaging communities, and around implementation. This region is focused on supporting the increased capacity of educators to deliver personalized learning and on sharing their learnings and best practices with the hundreds of schools in the region, even across state lines. Shifting the role of teacher from provider of content to facilitator is one of the big benefits of next generation learning models, and sharing this information means that more schools can adopt this innovative approach in this classroom. We're speaking with Mark Costin, Associate Director of the Great Schools Partnership in Portland, Maine, and Deborah Stoloroff, Director of the Renaissance Program at Twinfield Union School in Plainfield, Vermont. We're going to talk about how they have implemented personalized learning from both a regional and policy level, as well as how that plays out in the classroom. Deborah and Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. To help our audience get a better understanding of the work in New England, could you please start by outlining a little bit more about what the NESSC is and how the Next Generation Learning Challenge model works in your part of the country? The New England Secondary School Consortium is a project that is essentially a partnership between the State Departments of Education in five New England states, and those are Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. The states came together a number of years ago and uh, really out of an interest in um, learning together and sharing particular strategies and figuring out whether there was uh, some benefit in working together on the issue of increasing graduation rates at high school and also increasing the um, likelihood of success and the preparedness for success of our high school graduates in our region to be successful in two and four year colleges. And so as a result of the New England Secondary School Consortium's efforts, we have essentially focused on three broad policy objectives. And so those policy objectives include um, graduation by demonstration of proficiency against a set of college and career ready standards. It also includes um, ensuring that in learning environments, students are provided with options that we refer to as multiple or flexible pathways so that there's a significant amount of personalization that is possible for students. However, that personalization must lead to the same college and career ready uh, expectations that we hold for all students. And finally, it's an effort with a third policy objective is around the notion of um, creating ways and developing accountability systems that are far more uh, student-centered. As we've noted in our other podcasts, Different regions across the country are working with the Next Generation Learning Challenge in different ways. Could you tell us a little bit about what the NGLC model looks like in your region? Absolutely. So the consortium essentially works on three different levels, and the first level is around policy and essentially creating a state and local policy environment that is conducive to models of personalized learning for students. Um, another lever or strategy that we work on is around engaging communities so that we have an engaged and informed um, uh, stakeholder group in every one of our communities. And the third, and, and I would argue in this particular case, the most relevant and important aspect of our work is around practice. In other words, around ensuring that we're continuing to support the increased capacity of educators to deliver personalized learning for all of our students. 
And Deborah, can you talk a little bit about what this all looks like from your perspective in terms of how your school interacts with the Next Generation Learning Challenge? Twinfield is a very small rural school. Because we are so small, there is a lot that we've already been able to do in order to be um, in order to meet the needs of our students. And um, and what the grant has done for us has it's provided us um, both, as Mark said, the resources and the coaching to get um, to to move the personalization further into um, the traditional classes, as well as as having the traditional classes in some ways sort of be totally turned around and be able to think about. Um, rather than the teacher being the person who delivers the information, the teacher being the facilitator. The whole concept of having personalized learning plans for all students and to uh, you know, review annually with a student what is it that you would like to do with your life you know, so that they have, some, they have some say in how they're learning. That's really exciting. Shifting the role of teacher, as you say, from provider of content to facilitator and then enabling these conversations between teachers and students um, is really one of the more often mentioned benefits of next generation learning models. And so it'll be super exciting to see how all of that plays out in New England and, and what kind of lessons you all have to share down the line. That idea of sharing is absolutely really critical in our particular model. It's important to understand that while we will be supporting through the Next Generation Learning Challenges initiative, specifically 20 schools. Um, we can't forget that we're operating within a, a sphere of close to 600 secondary schools across our five states, and that ultimately we want to make sure that the lessons that are learned from these earlier adopters in personalized learning are um, shared with um, all 600 plus middle schools and high schools across our region. Can you tell us a bit about why your region decided to implement personalized learning and how you measure success? This idea of personalized learning is certainly not, it's not a new idea. In fact, um, we sort of view the kinds of personalized learning that we are recognizing and seeing across the region and across the country as essentially the culmination of a variety of best practices that we know um, have been well documented in the literature, but we also know expert teachers use all the time. What's most important is, is to report that a student ultimately has reached the destination of demonstrating proficiency, not that they may have struggled along the way. And also the, the opportunity for um, targeted supports, interventions, and ongoing professional learning communities uh, with teachers. But it really is this notion of placing a premium on personalized learning with rigorous high standards um, is a way of effectively ensuring that, that all students are successful. And then most importantly, that we're bringing to educators in every corner of our region um, the tools, the resources, and the support to continue to make the shifts that many of them have recognized need to take place. Here at Twinfield, um, the Renaissance program is now in its 15th year. And um, it, the, it started actually as a result of a student going up to the principal and saying, you're a public school and you're supposed to teach all of us and you're not teaching me, I'm not learning, I have a different learning style, I'm ready to drop out of school, but I want to learn. And um, so I feel like in many ways the practice came before the policy. 
and the policies just in this case followed what what was um, growing with to be seen as a, as a best practice. I'd love to add something to, to what really underscore what Deborah the point that Deborah just made. I think this is absolutely critical, and it and it was the reason why. Um, you know, several years ago when the consortium brought together policy leaders, one of the things that we were very careful to do was better understand what was actually happening in the pockets of excellence, and there are many pockets of excellence across our region. They had naturally come to this idea of personalized learning through um, the hard work and reflection and support that educators like Deborah and her colleagues have had over the years. Um, all of the policy efforts specifically around personalized learning across our five states have, in fact, been informed by the success of schools like uh, Twinfield. Mark, can you talk about the work of the Next Generation Learning Challenge so far in New England? And what I mean by that is specifically the kinds of changes and programs that you're starting to see being put in place at the regional level. The kinds of activities that we engaged in, um, have engaged in at this point, include um, a summer design institute where we had 41 schools from across our five states participate in an intensive four-day um, off-site retreat where we really sort of pushed their thinking about what personalized learning in their, in their buildings might look like and began to sort of help them think about um, how do you grow or nurture the pockets of excellence that might already be occurring in pockets or aspects of their building but might not necessarily be system-wide. And then um, after those uh, models were created, we continued to work with 34 schools at this point who continued, who, who um, 34 schools after the point of the summer wanted to continue developing and fleshing out some plans. So we spent about four months supporting those 34 schools um, and pushing them a little bit towards develop, the development of a three-year plan and what that implementation plan would look like. Um, and from those 34, 20 schools were selected. And it's those 20 schools um, who've just begun work um, on fully implementing uh, the designs and the plans that they created over the course of the last um, six or seven months. Deborah, can you talk a little bit about what this looks like at the school level? So tell us a little bit, for example, about what the, the plan and the design look like at your school and what some of the, the programmatic changes um, will be moving forward. You know, when we look at um, personalization within a, a traditional classroom, Sometimes you might want, you could also use the word differentiation, right, because um, for so, in some classes it's about looking at who you have in your classroom and providing multiple opportunities um, for kids of, of, who have different learning styles to be able to, um, to learn about a similar topic. Right, so, so part of the trick or part of the challenge, I think, for us is going to, is going to make sure that how do you ensure the, the, the rigor of the experience and that, the, that we have a system in place that ensures that regardless of the setting and the way in which a student might be demonstrating their competency, we're able to, because of the system that we've established, we're able to come to the same uh, decision about the quality of that work and the judgment of where they stand on the proficiency scale. But that's really important to ensure that there might be things that Deborah is, is, has not begun to think about that someone might have figured out um, in New Haven, Connecticut.
And it's up to us, we feel, from a project perspective to make sure that Deborah has access to that information. We're interested in that as well, you know, like to be able to be connected to people who are also have best practices um, can only improve our own practice. Um, and, you know, to other teachers or educators um, who from whom we can learn and and put our heads together with because, you know, great ideas come from, from many people. Deborah and Mark, what advice might you offer other regions and cities who are just beginning to think about personalized learning in their area? That's a great question. Thank you for asking it. I'd say there's a, we've learned um, over the course of um, our time doing this work and especially most recently with our involvement with the Next Generation Learning Challenges, that um, it's absolutely vital to um, work in collaboration with others. We have found that there's power in partnership and collaboration. Um, we find that it provides that the more we can connect and bring together educators, districts, and other um, entities or organizations who also are um, very supportive of the idea that you can share knowledge, you can support one another, you can provide in some cases one another with cover, um, and you can certainly continue to push one another's thinking. We find that there's value in, in, a, in a partnership. The other thing that we have found what's most important is to identify um, student learning outcomes that you want to ensure result from the work that you're doing. And then finally, the, the I guess the last piece of advice that, that I would say, especially this is what we've learned over the course of the years doing this work is implementing personalized learning is such a comprehensive and complex endeavor that in order for it to be successful, you really have to have a multi-strategy approach to it and you need to simultaneously pay attention to refining and updating the, your local policies. You need to ensure that the educators that are working with students have the support and the capacity they need to be successful in the model that you've identified as a community. And finally, it's critically important to ensure that you provide multiple opportunities and ways in which to engage and inform the community um, so that they too have a full understanding, can participate in, in a variety of different ways um, and are supportive of the endeavor. And it's interesting because um, a lot of what you just said, Mark, overlaps with what I would um, what I would say as well. I, I think that um, especially when it comes to the community, um, engaging your community, using your community um, as much as possible. Another thing that I would say is um, that whatever program you decide to to create, um, whatever type of system you decide to create, that you need to stay flexible. Um, flexibility is when it comes to personalization is is key because what you do for one student might not be the same for another student. Deborah and Mark, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We'll look forward to staying in touch and hearing the great lessons learned to come out of the region of New England. Thank you.